Welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you on. Thank you so much, Angela, for having me. Yes. Uh, and go ahead and tell the audience uh, who you are. Um, give us a little bit of background, a little bit of story, because I know we've talked about uh, your background and uh, your family and your mom in particular and being a, a great inspiration to some of the work you do today, um, but also what you do and the impact you're looking to make on the world. Sure. Yeah. So again, you know, thanks for having me here. And, you know, it's, it's truly a privilege to talk about really social responsibility at work and and really how it's been an important aspect of, of not only who I am, but, but the work that I've always been privileged to be a part of. So, you know, I'm the son of a nurse, um, and I always tell people I'm incredibly proud of, of not only uh, the work that my mother uh, has always done, but as a young child was always um, really just, you know, amazed. She would come home, she was a labor and delivery nurse, and as I would go through grade school and middle school and high school, uh, different, you know, colleagues and actually colleagues, students of mine, friends of mine would share how, um, how, you know, my mother would actually deliver some of their siblings and stuff like that. And so, you know, I learned a lot about um, a lot about service and a lot about uh, my mother's passion and commitment to really helping others uh, was was really a, a major threat of my entire childhood. Um, and I always say, you know, my my uh, obviously I talk a lot about my mom, my my father, who I lost a few years ago. Um, my, my father was a was a union carpenter. Um, and so very, very different. Uh, knew I was never going to go that way. Um, knew I was never, you know, really good with my hands uh, from a technical end. My brother had that had that opportunity. I didn't. Um, but, you know, my father always was the type that would always talk to us about really that determination and passion to do whatever you do, do it well. And so, you know, between both of my parents, that aspect was really threaded in me uh, at a very young age. And I knew I didn't want to be clinical. Um, and so when I was a, a college senior, had the opportunity to do an entire semester where I interned with a healthcare system. And it was really in that experience that opened my eyes that I could be an administrative role where I could focus on leadership, which was always an important part uh, of, me, of, of who I am. Uh, always have loved studying leadership, practicing leadership, uh, really um, leveraging leadership to really impact not only the world, but also impact others. And so that's really what led me into, into healthcare. I think to answer your question though about what do I want to impact? There's, you know, there's several things that I really want to impact. And uh, for those that, you know, follow me on LinkedIn, you'll see I go by, uh, by the name Heart Leader. And, um, you know, there's a reason there. Uh, I'm a firm believer that if we have more leaders who lead with our heart, we can not only better connect with others and really form meaningful relationships that are really built on, on trust uh, and on the foundation that we're here to serve one another, but also that we can really open up to one another. Uh, at a time in our society where it's really critical. And so, um, you know, I definitely want to impact uh, not only the, the country, but impact the world, um, that if we, if we lead with our heart, we can truly create a very different model of the workplace um, and really create a very different model of building community. And so um, my desire is to build community uh, in, in whatever facet situation I'm ever in. I love that. And we talked earlier about the intersection between some of your work with healthcare and healthcare equity and also the system of the workplace and how this idea of building community or serving the community in both aspects, right? So whether you're serving your, uh, your, your community in the healthcare system or at the workplace, we're kind of talking about the same process. So maybe let's start with healthcare equity, just because I think a lot of people are listening to that and saying like, what does that mean? Um, and like, what's the state of it? And what's the problem we're trying to solve? So we'd love to hear more from you on that. 
Yeah. So, you know, I mean, when I look at an issue like health equity, uh, in my experience, what it has really meant is that we have to be honest within our healthcare system that there are some systemic, long known issues that have really significantly impacted various different individuals and communities, uh, not just in the United States, but across the country. And so within our healthcare system, whether it's, whether it's you know, you take the issue of maternal mortality, uh, which to this day, to think that the United States has one of the worst outcomes uh, for black moms, African-American moms, um, who, who simply have a child, but because of, uh, because of their you know, genetics, because of our healthcare system not being uh, as advanced as it should be to meet their needs, the fact that in our healthcare system, I mean, if you look at examples after examples, some dealing with, you know, famous people uh, like, you know, like Serena Williams, um, who, you know, when Serena Williams dealt with uh, some maternal issues when she was pregnant, she raised those concerns and, and doctors doubted her and she almost lost the baby that she carried for that period of time. Well, that speaks to health equity, um, because ultimately what we're speaking to here is that a same mom uh, who, you know, could happen to be white, white privileged. Uh, you know, potentially would have a much, much, not only potentially, is almost guaranteed nine times out of 10, statistically, to not have the same issue. And here's the issue for there. Uh, one is uh, we haven't created a system that's equitable. Uh, two, we haven't really created the, the right providers um, and coached them and prepared them and educated and trained them to understand what it's like to, to meet the needs of different populations of patients. And for me, uh, as a healthcare leader, to think in 2023, we are still not there is quite frustrating um, because, you know, we have a system that, in my view, has just been systemically designed to do exactly what it's doing. And we haven't made the changes to systemically update it. Um, and so we have to do that because literally lives are at stake. Um, and we know that because of some of these issues, um, you know, we, we have cardiologists and we have endocrinologists and we have a whole host of specialists who've never really learned intentionally what it's like to treat different patient populations and what it's like to create treatment protocols that meet the needs of those distinct patients because they've been systemically just designed to meet the needs of one distinct patient. And so we have to be really honest about these types of situations if we're ever going to really move the needle in issues of health equity. Yeah, and I, and I want to take a step back on even the word equity because there's a lot of confusion around it and what it means. And so the example that you mentioned, um, and, and what I'd like to, to, to provide some perspective on to define equity is, you know, equity is about equal outcomes, equal outcomes. So we're talking about health. We're talking about, you know, holistic health care um, and, and success of that health care for everybody. Um, and, and health and wellness for everybody. And when we have systemic barriers or uh, structures in place that do not serve everybody, we don't end up with the same, the same outcomes. Um, we have disparate outcomes. So some people are benefiting or getting those successful outcomes and some aren't. And there's something in the system that's creating that. And so, um, you know, I, I've worked with healthcare clients before around, around culture um, and every time that we talk about culture, we talk about the communities we serve. And equity is always a part of that conversation. But what I find, and I don't know if you experience the same thing because you're, 
you're, uh, I guess, uh, more in the day-to-day when it comes to this, when it comes to uh, healthcare and health equity outcomes, is there's a uh, a perception of, you know, equity, like nothing's wrong with the system, right? Like we're just just doing our jobs. Um, And there's also a burnout issue, I think, with um, folks in the healthcare system. So how can you move and progress forward if we're also working under unsustainable conditions. So I would love to hear that angle as well and how that interacts. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot, lot to unpack there. And, and you are 100% right in, in uh, that there's still so many people who say, oh, come on, uh, you know, this really, uh, this is just a, you know, a made up thing. Um, but the reality of it is, is if you go story by story, fact by fact, data by data, we see it all the time. Um, and, and there are some phenomenal voices in our healthcare system that have been leading and speaking to this authentically. And, you know, I want to call out Dr. Alicia Jackson, uh, who, you know, leads um, some incredible population health and health equity work at Common Spirit Health. Um, and Dr. Jackson uh, shares publicly her own story uh, of how um, she almost, similarly to Serena, had a situation in one of her pregnancies uh, that was similar. And Dr. Jackson is a black woman happens to be a physician, um, and again, was doubted by other medical professionals, and she's a physician. And so, yes, um, there's still a lot of naysayers when it comes to this, but, but let me say that um, when you look at our healthcare system, uh, we've made some strides, not going to sit here and say that. We have some systems doing phenomenal work, uh, just like anything, there's some that do better than others. But we have to systemically be willing to call the shots for what the shots are. The facts are the facts. Um, and we have to be willing to look at what, how we move that needle. And one way to move that needle is to truly authentically engage the communities um, that, that can help us understand how to best move health equity forward. And I will always say that in our healthcare system, uh, while I appreciate all doctors, appreciate all providers, all clinicians, one of the ways that we can do a better job is to truly engage the communities we serve and let them tell us what we need to do differently. And when we do that, we see true change, true meaningful uh, results. Now, to your second point, how do you do that at a time when you're dealing with the workforce crisis? And let me just say this, uh, you know, for all my healthcare, you know, brothers and sisters out there, we know you're still on the front lines at a very, very difficult time. Um, but we also have to address the culture because we knew this workforce crisis was real before the pandemic. It's only been further exacerbated during the pandemic. But the fact of the matter is the data and the reality was demonstrated before the pandemic. So the reason now we're all sitting here raising the flag and saying, oh, my gosh, we're in crisis. And you still have people who don't want to call it a crisis, first of all. But it is a crisis because when you look at the data where we don't have enough nurses today and it's only going to get worse by 2025, we don't have enough doctors, nurse practitioners, physician assistants today only going to get worse by 2025. And we're still not even speaking about the leadership crisis we have in healthcare, where a majority of our C-suite are, are about to have a significant explosion at the retirement uh, level, and we don't have succession planning. And so we're at a really difficult spot when we talk about uh, really future work in healthcare. And so there's a couple things I think that are critical. A, we've got to have stronger, authentic academic partnerships. Um, we can't just view it as a degree to re- to completion, come and get, you know, come and serve, get trained, et cetera. We have to view it as how do we create authentic partnerships that start even earlier than college, high school, middle school, 
K through 12, we've got to engage the youth to understand that healthcare is a special place to serve. One of the ways to engage is if you create a system that's more equitable and you give people opportunities in the education system, to your point, which you alluded to earlier, we know education is also not equitable. So how do we sit here and expect to diversify the workforce if we have a system just like healthcare that's been designed in an, in, in an unequitable manner? And so we've got to fix that too. We've got to have a system that really allows everyone the opportunity uh, to be educated. And if they want to become a doctor, that there's not a barrier. If they want to become a nurse, that there's not a barrier. If they want to become a respiratory therapist, that there's not a barrier. And there is today too many barriers. And so, you know, there's a lot of things like that that we have to fix, uh, or we're only going to continue to be in the situation that we're in today. So I always, when I hear this connection between the different systems that we operate in. So, you know, I always think about education, healthcare, the workplace, uh, economy, transportation, like these are all systems that are like fibers that are really interconnected and equity is always a factor um, that is a dependency to enter the next system, to your point. So if we're talking about education and then into healthcare, into the workplace, is there anybody or are there is there anybody connecting those dots? Like, how can one think about this as a broader system and work between these systems to make this happen? Yeah. So you know, in my in my day job, my organization, uh, Core Education, um, certainly you know is is a is the type of organization that's without question doing aspects of connecting the dots because we so we work across the country as an operating partner. Um, to over a dozen small to mid-sized colleges and universities. And one of the things we do is work on the partnership space of bringing together healthcare um, and other industries to really, really not only foster that meaningful collaboration and partnership with, with, healthcare with the healthcare industry, but really focus on that workforce space. Um, you know, really look at what it is to have pathways, what it is to create uh, authentic, meaningful solutions that can really drive the future of work. So there are definitely organizations doing that. But as you know, higher ed, like healthcare, are two industries that have historically not really been known for a whole lot of transformation. Um, you know, people want to talk about innovation and transformation in both. But when, when push comes to shove, they are really not designed for authentic innovation and transformation. Um, and you see it now. You know, I mean, healthcare is facing the big, some of the biggest challenges they've ever faced. And you know, even the larger systems that have innovation hubs are not doing anything with them because now the budget's not there. Well, you, you, you can't ever think you're going to fix something if you take that idea of, you know, there's no budget. Because the reality of it is, is in healthcare, there's usually very few margin to go around um, to innovate anyways. You've got to always be thinking anew and using whatever you can to be different and just try it out. And I think, Part of it is higher ed and healthcare are also just super regulated, and I and I get that, and they should be, because uh, we're dealing with people's lives and, and quality, patient safety, and we're also dealing with education, which you know needs to also be regulated because there's a lot of data there. But I think just systemically, we just haven't been willing to take risks and try things different in both industries. And again, that's been my experience having served and worked in both. But what I think we have to do very different today is we have to really recognize that um, the times are very different and they're only going to get even more different. And if there's one element of this that I always talk about 
that I think is important is that we have more generations in the workplace today than ever, but instead of celebrating it and finding what each and every one of those generations can bring as a solution, we want to dismiss them. We want to talk about the fact I'm a millennial. We want to say, oh, millennials aren't going to be here long. They're going to be moving on one year and then they're on. That's not the discussion at hand. The discussion, and Steve Cadigan has written a great book. If you don't know Steve, Steve, you know, is the first human, human resource officer at LinkedIn. Great guy. And, you know, I don't know if you've read Workquake, but um, I'm, I haven't finished it, but I'm loving Workquake. And one of the things Steve has said in the book is, why aren't we just recognizing that the, the future is not going to be people sitting at the same organization for so long, especially when the culture is terrible. They will move on. Why are we still saying we don't want to invest in them because we're afraid they're going to move on from an education perspective? Guess what? They're going to move on either way. Invest in them. Get what you can get out of them. Have them be the best employee. Have them contribute in the most effective way. And maybe if you have the right culture, maybe they won't move on. And so, you know, I think we have a lot of work to do to really create a future of work that, to your point, is not only socially responsible, um, and I will say part of that is in both healthcare and higher ed, we need to go back to the basics. Both institutions at the core are anchor institutions. They're anchors in their community. That means you have a duty and a responsibility to take care of your community. Education has a duty. Healthcare has a duty. And I think every leader, every board at these organizations has to reflect on whether they're contributing to that aspect. Um, I would sit here and say that I don't, I don't feel mo many or majority of them could honestly, authentically say that's the case. And um, if, if they do, happy to have that debate. But the fact of the matter is we've got to get back to truly being an anchor institution partner in the communities that we serve. Yeah, and this goes into leadership, which I think is an important facet. And actually, it's the one thing that I feel like crosses over all of these systems. So that was, you know, kind of what I was getting at with, you know, what is, what is, the, what is the solution? And leadership, regardless of if it's in the healthcare sector or it's within the workplace, within a healthcare sector or anywhere else or within the community, uh, you know, I talk about something called the leadership mentality, which is, to your point, getting back to the basics of serving and I think we just have it wrong. I think we've just developed this construct of leadership, especially in this country, that is not focused on serving. It's on self-serving. And that's detrimental to things like equity and social impact. Um, so tell me a little bit more about your philosophy around how leadership could be this lever for change. Yeah. So, you know, like you, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I always tell people that... Um, I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate that I had so many amazing leaders earlier in my career, because as I have uh, matured further in my career, I have not necessarily seen as great leaders. Um, and it's definitely helped me um, not only navigate those uncharted territories at times, but also be that beacon to help others that are facing that. And I'll, I'll tell you just a little example of what really became my leadership mentality. When I was early on in my healthcare career, I was extremely blessed to serve with a CEO, uh, a nurse CEO that also happened to be a woman CEO at a system where she faced a lot of challenges as not only a nurse CEO, but also a woman CEO. And um, I was fortunate to not only be uh, mentored by her, but to really be taken under her wings. And 
shepherded through not only the, the learning process of what it was like to become a hospital CEO, but more importantly, what it was like to lead others. And what I saw uh, in, in, uh, in my former CEO was this authentic commitment to never forget where she came from. Was a nurse, would put on nurse scrubs, would go work those, with those units, just like all the other nurses. When it was a surge, she was on the floor. When times were tough, she was there speaking to them. Um, and she didn't ever lose that. And that's what people saw in the community too. People saw a CEO who didn't sit in an ivory tower, uh, wasn't making decisions uh, from afar, but was making decisions with the community that she served. And so uh, from a leadership mentality, having that experience was without question transformational for me um, because I had the opportunity to see a leader who was authentic. I had the opportunity to see a leader who loved to serve. And so for me, I can remember if there's been one thread that's always stuck with me through all my experiences and journeys in leadership, it has been that I view leadership as a true blessing. I do not view it uh, as, as a job. I view it as a vocation. Um, if you're a leader, you not only have to earn the trust of others, but you've got to constantly maintain the trust of others. And I think we often forget that. Um, in fact, I work with leaders, uh, you know, throughout my career and, and even in this day, very day that I don't feel truly understand what a blessing leadership truly is. And uh, every day for me, I look at it from the vantage point of I'm in a position of leadership to change lives. I'm in a position of leadership to transform lives. Yes, I'm human. I will make mistakes, but I have to be willing and able to acknowledge that. And I have to have humility at all times to make sure that not only does my team, uh, our, our team, but more importantly, everyone that sees us sees someone who's modeling the way. Um, and the other aspect I would say that, to my mentality has been, I also view leadership as that, that role to question things, to get into good trouble, because a leader is not going to be afraid of that. And there are colleagues of mine to this day that say, oh my gosh, you just are not afraid. Well, the reality of it is, is that I learned from my CEO, you know what? You do the right thing when people aren't watching, but you continue to do the right thing when they're listening and they're watching. And I have learned that um, authentic leaders who truly care are not going to be afraid to shy away from, from challenging the status quo, even if it means they're challenging their boss. Um, because I think when it comes to supporting our team, there's nothing more important that a leader could do. And I had a recent example where uh, members of my team said, wow, I'm surprised you did that. And I said, I did it for you. And they said, well, clearly you did because you put a lot on the line. And they said, um, we can't thank you enough. And I said, I don't need to be thanked. That's my job. That's my job. I'm accountable to them and for them. Yes, I may be the leader. The buck does stop here. But I think too often we as leaders want to just pass the buck. We don't want to own it. And so I've been fortunate to have leaders that said, no, you own it. Leadership is about owning. Um, and so, you know, that's a little bit of my mentality. But to your point, the last point I do want to make that I think is important is I always tell people the first letter of leadership is, is L for a reason. It's about listening and learning. And so to me, every day is another opportunity for me to listen and another opportunity to, for me to learn. And I have always said to any team that I lead, I'm here to walk alongside all of you. I am not here to be viewed as a boss. I am not here to be viewed as a manager. 
In fact, I can't stand both of those words. I'm literally here to be walking with you in this journey. I'm here to help and I'm here as a resource. And if I'm ever in the way, you have the right to respectfully request that I get out of the way. Because ultimately, if I'm here to walk alongside, I'm here to be your partner. I'm not here to be anything different than to be your partner. I love that. And I think it just, it gets back to your, um, you know, heart leadership that you mentioned, which is so important for this conversation around equity, because it is a mentality that is really important to drive outcomes for people rather than this kind of, again, the self-serving mentality that I think, I think we've developed over time. It's become a paradigm for leadership and it's seeped into the construct of how we define leadership. Um, And so I'm so happy you're a part of the movement to change that conversation. And I think it's really important to, to this conversation around creating equity because it takes humility. It -hmm. takes a sense of serving to bring communities together, to listen to them, to step into their shoes, uh, both from a, a health outcomes and equity perspective, but also equity, creating that within organizations with your people. Mm -hmm. And I, we could talk about this all day because I have so many things to dig into, which is usually the case when I, when I talk to my guests. But uh, I want to thank you for taking the time with us today. Um, thank you for sharing your perspective. And I just really love your perspective on how these different systems connect. And that's really what this podcast is about. Uh, this is about the workplace, but the social responsibility element of this is understanding we are, we're working and operating in a broader context uh, that many people are still learning about. And so thank you for sharing your knowledge. If people wanted to reach out, if they wanted to work with you or um, work alongside you, uh, how could they find you? Yeah, best would be on LinkedIn. If they just look for my name, Jeffrey M. Roach, happy to connect and happy to talk at any time with anybody. Wonderful. We'll make sure to put all that in the in the show notes and uh, when we market this episode. Jeffrey, thank you so much. Really, truly. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me and thank you for all the work that you do. Mm-hmm.